0: Uh, joining us today in our Book Talk segment, great to welcome. Man has written a book that's going to be helpful, I'm sure, to a lot of folks. It's called Emotional First Aid Practical Strategies for Treating Failure, Rejection, Guilt, and Other Everyday uh, Psychological Injuries. We're joined today by uh, Guy Winch. He's up in uh, New York City, has a, uh, a practice up there, also does, uh, I believe, stand up comedy as well. We'll ask him about that as well. He joins us by telephone. And uh, Dr. Winch, good to talk to you. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, good to have a chance to chat with you for a few minutes. I had an opportunity to uh, t- to read through the book, and uh, I know there are a lot of self help books out there, but I think uh, what might set this apart, at least in, in my opinion, from reading uh, a bunch of these type of books, you put it in much more layman's terms. I think people are going to get uh, you know understand it a lot easier, and, and you kind of break it down. Was well, that the goal? Yes,
1: actually, my goal has always been, both in my practice and in my books to break things down. I think a lot of uh, psychologists and self-help authors tell people in general what they need to do, but without really breaking down how they get there in ways that people can actually follow in a stepwise fashion. And I think that's always important to do, so people not only understand the end goal, but what are the steps you need to take to get from here to there. So yes, that was definitely a goal of mine.
0: Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with that. You you hear a lot of you know, psychologists or people that write these kind of books they nothing wrong with them, but but they tend to be steeped a little more in theory. And maybe people are saying, "Well, that's nice, but uh, I have this problem. How do I how do I help solve it?" And and you do give step-by-step instructions to, to at least get on the way. I mean, you do say too, if it's a certain level of problem you're going through, you know, do see a. Uh, you know, like I think you even say go to the emergency room if certain things are that bad. But but you give you give steps uh, maybe. Uh, leading up to that, right?
1: Yeah, I really try and break down not just what the solutions are, but really what the problems are. I think it's really important with psychology that people understand what goes on in their minds. We all have a mind, and boy, it would be great if it came with a user manual. It actually doesn't. But to the extent that we can understand what's actually happening in our minds, what's happening behind the scenes in our minds, why we're having the reactions we're having, why one kind of reaction can lead to another, and then to know, okay, so then if that reaction action leads to that one, that's the place in which I need to intervene and do something and that's why this thing will actually do that. If people can really understand that I find it makes it much more helpful and they're much more likely to practice these things because they really get what they're doing and they get why it might or might not have an impact.
0: Yeah, I think uh, when people have physical things wrong with them there's a process for, you know, the healing process, whether you, you know you like to fix a broken bone, and then there's certain other things you got to do to get it healed, and I think uh, psychological problems are the same way. There's a process involved. It's not just uh, wait, you know, wait by- bypasses. I mean, there's things you can do along the way to kind of move, move the healing process along, right?
1: Right, and I think that's a good analogy because, for example, when we get a cut on our arm, we know that if we don't bandage it well or clean it well, it can get infected, and then we know if it gets infected, it can become septic, and we kind of know the sequence of this can lead to this can lead to this and so we take steps because we understand what the consequences are of not doing that but indeed we do get psychological injuries all the time as much as we get physical ones but when we get psychological injuries like the ones I discuss in the book like failure or rejection or loneliness or guilt or loss or those kinds of things we don't have a clear understanding of well why is that so terrible what can actually happen from that what are the emotional injuries that might sustain around that kind of thing How can they get infected, quote-unquote? What is the sequence of events that can happen? And when people do understand those things, they're much more likely to attend to them. Because right now, as you know, we really tend to ignore these kinds of psychological injuries when they come up. You know, we, we just don't tend to them at all.
0: Yeah, you mentioned a few right there. We won't do obviously all of them, just maybe go over a couple of them. Rejection, that's uh, obviously a huge one. It can be on many levels is, is what rejection can mean, uh, uh, whether you're rejected, uh, you know, as a kid, maybe uh, you're not picked for the, the team right away or in a job or, uh, you know, in your uh, romantic life. I mean, it all it all is the same thing, rejection, and you got some great tips in there. Can can you give a kind of a capsule summary of that one? Yeah,
1: and I think rejection, I call it the cuts and scrapes of daily life because it's extremely, extremely common. We have, you know, the big rejections when our, our spouse leaves us, uh, leaves us, or when our, you know when we're bullied in school, or when we get you know fired from a job, those are very big rejections. But they're cuts and scrapes because we get so many small ones. You know, on social media, people often talk about the fact that you know they they, they you know posted these pictures from their vacation and their best friend never liked the picture or never retweeted their tweet or never (laughs) accepted their invitation on LinkedIn. Such, you know, minor things. Or, or, you know, the neighbor passed them in the supermarket and they were sure they saw them, but they did not. Hello, and why was that? And what does that mean about whether they like them and how they're accepted in the neighborhood? There are so many opportunities for us to feel rejected. We feel those kinds of things. You know, we're we're married and our, our spouse rebuffs our sexual advances and we're not sure why, but it makes us feel bad because that was the third time in a row. It's just So incredibly, incredibly common. And the thing about rejection that people don't really understand, which I think is important to understand, is that we are wired in such a way that it really, really hurts, even minor rejections really hurt. And we have studies which show us that even when you can apply reason to things and explain to people why the rejection they thought they had actually wasn't a rejection at all because either it never happened or it was part of an experiment so it really wasn't real, it actually doesn't do much to take the hurt away for a while, because we are wired to respond really strongly to rejection. And we do respond strongly. We hurt, we start the whole process of self-criticism. It does this whole cascade of things to us that when we're not aware of um, can really do damage unless we try and and take these steps, which I'm suggesting, to to heal a little bit, to make things feel better, to prevent further damage.
0: Yeah, I think maybe as you get older you can learn to, uh, you know, blow it off quicker but like you said yeah the the, the pain or uh, annoyance is, is always there no matter what age you are right i, I guess as kids you know you, you feel it longer teenagers obviously that's a whole different realm there but uh, but that hurt is there no matter what age you are so yeah like i said we're hi- we're hardwired to uh, to react to that aren't we and i think so
1: and i think actually that it, look there's a lot of variability that we have because some of us can shrug things off at a young age and some of us cannot and some of us can shrug things off better as they get older and some of us cannot you know You see a lot of older people who actually are not shrugging these things off and they actually feel really devastated when their kid moved out of the house a long time ago, said, oh, you know, I'll call on Saturday, but then doesn't call. They do feel really rejected by their their own child and it actually does hurt them. And so I think it's because we're really wired that way. Now. You can develop a certain kind of resiliency because once you understand how your mind responds to rejection and that it takes the initial insult and then typically makes it much worse because, you know, there's a response we have to that. We do start, you know, the the adult whose kid didn't call starts to look at, well, Do they maybe not care about me? Are they just busy with their lives and they forgot that I'm not important to them? I invested all these years in this parenting and why is that happening? You know, it actually makes it worse. And when we don't, uh, you know, get invited, when we find out our colleagues went to lunch without us, rather than thinking, oh, they knew we had this deadline so they didn't want to interfere, we might start thinking they don't like us and why don't they like us and what we said or what we did. We typically go through these things and have a reaction that makes The initial wound, even worse. And so learning to stop the bleeding when we have these kinds of experiences and then initiate the healing is a really important thing.
0: Yeah, and I think all the, the things you talk about in the book, uh, loneliness, loss, trauma, guilt, rumination, failure, and uh, low self-esteem, they're all kind of related the same way. Uh, uh, in, a lot of it's perception. You know, you can feel guilty about something. Maybe you didn't do something that's that bad, but you can make it worse just by how you feel internally. So, so that, that's a lot of it. We, we, we do a lot of it to ourselves, don't we? Make it worse.
1: That's an absolute tendency we have. And, you know, and I always talk about this because it is remarkable how differently we feel and approach our physical health than we do our psychological health because we do much less of that physically. You know, it's not as if we have a cut on our arm and we go and we start, you know, uh, infecting it with bacteria or putting salt on it or if we have a sprain in our leg, we don't decide that's the best day for us to go and run a marathon. We know that if we have an injury, we actually have to take care of it. If we wake up with a fever, we're not going to run outside in the cold with our hair wet and not, you know, we know we have to rest. We're so much more aware of when we have a physical injury, we actually have to... To it because there are problems if we don't. And it's really the same with psychological injuries, except we're completely lacking in that same awareness. We don't think of them as things that need tending, as things that need attention, as things that need care. And like you said, we often actually do the opposite make them worse, make mm-hmm. ourselves feel worse as a result, often without even realizing that we're doing that.
0: Well, the name of the book is called Emotional First Aid. We've been talking with uh, Dr. Guy Winch uh, today. And, uh, a Doctor, uh, give out a website. People can get a hold of the book or get a hold of you if they like.
1: The uh, book is available at bookstores everywhere and on online booksellers. There are links to uh, a lot of booksellers on my website at guywinch.com and that's g-u-y-w-i-n-c-h.com. I'm also on Twitter at guywinch.
0: Great. And and just reading the notes, do you do some comedy on the weekends occasionally? Is that, is that right?
1: <laughs> I, I used to do a lot of it. I have much less time to do it now. It turns out that when you have a practice and you're writing a book and promoting it, there's just so many evenings you have to uh, to do the other things. But I, you know, I used to do a lot of stand-up. I still do it occasionally. I, I really enjoy doing it. I try and keep those worlds separate in a way. I don't talk about being a psychologist when I do stand-up. Right. <laughs>
0: um, and,
1: and I try not to do stand-up when I'm uh, seeing patients in the office.
0: And Although you probably get a lot of great material you wish you could use.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, actually I don't, because when your mindset... People always think that, but actually when your mindset... It's such a different mindset for me when I'm actually working and I'm trying to really listen and understand what's going on with someone. You know, the, the, the jokes don't occur to me at all in that situation. But when I'm thinking about comedy, just walking through the light, just walking through the streets in New York City can actually provide all kinds of great material. You don't, you
0: don't need to take it from the office. New York is, yeah, that, that, that's enough material right there. Just ride the subway. That'll give you enough. <laughs> right. I and mean,
1: actually, just the other day I heard a woman, she was screaming at the phone because she was she was uh, was very busy on the sidewalk, and she was screaming to a friend, and she was saying, and I kept telling him I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. Anyway, I have to go. I just arrived at the liquor store.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's just New York. You know, you have the material
0: right there. <laughs> well, Doctor, good to talk to you. Appreciate you taking a few minutes emotionally First Date is the name of the book. Guy Winch has been our guest and uh, please let us know if you have another project out or even if you head down this way to do some comedy. We'd like to talk to you again. Thank
1: you very much.